Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So the, the fact that we experience our reality somewhat indirectly, right, we, we understand that as, as we're sitting here looking at each other, right, the aware of the output. Right? And it's the same with all, the, all of the senses. So there's a separation between the reality and the perception of the reality. And that's led to a lot of philosophical speculation over the centuries. Uh, people are uh, sometimes born in a virtual reality. So in the, I think it was back in the uh, 17th century, there was the, the French philosopher René Descartes who was trying to figure out if they would actually believe. He, he, he had, a, he had a, a method of, he called it radical uh, doubt, systematic and radical doubt. And, uh, and, and he, so at, at night, where it doesn't seem to have any reality at all, right? There's no objective reality there in, in my dream. Or he says, what if we're hallucinating? He even said there might be a, a great demon of some kind who's causing us to hallucinate in some ways. So maybe it's not possible to trust our perceptions like that, that, that we have record of. And, uh, and then going a little further on that, we ha there's a lot of peop the, uh, people that thought like, uh, uh, let's see, there was uh, uh, Bishop Barclay. He was in the uh, 18th centuries. And he thought that, that, uh, that simply all we had were those types of things. We had uh, his ideas streaming from God or coming into us, and we were experiencing that. So he thought that all the, the, the notion would be wrong. Um, and we, you know, we, we, know, we know certain things are true, even, uh, even if we look at a kind of modern a viewpoint, biological viewpoint, like the you know the uh, the active ingredient in hot peppers, capsaicin, is uh, what is that it makes the brain think, it makes the nerves think that there's so the sensation that the brain picks up is actually heat, but it's not burning anything. So. So it's it's actually fooling you. I said this is the same if it hits your skin, right? The nerves send a certain signal to the brain and ah, pull it away. So it's the nerves are sending that same sensation. From though there's not a physical burning going on, it feels like so it feels like a burning. Ah, you know, you'll you'll sweat. <laughs> the tears will come to you. You may even cry if it's you know if it's heavy enough. Right? So so the defense mechanism that it seems to cause heat, even though there's no heat present. Uh, another famous philosopher, Immanuel Kant, he thought about the difference that, uh, that having senses makes on the reality. Right, because even, even we know, if you, if, you, if you ask a biologist, right, that, that the color I see, or you see, is not an intrinsic property of the uh, of what I see, but it's, it's that the the the, the material is absorbing other colors of light, and so your blue jacket comes out blue is reflecting blue light, 
black is absorbing all the light. So it's, it's, it's not an intrinsic property of the thing, but it's, it's rather, and, and how you see it. You know, do I, we all recognize what's red, unless we're colorblind, but we all recognize what's red, what's blue, but do I see it the same way you do? Can we ever know? And strange other things happen. They've uh, come up with a, but they can have glasses, which blind people uh, can wear, and it actually converts into sound. And so they can put an earpiece in, and they, right, so, so the, 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 the experiences we have are ways in which data is manifested, right? The light's coming in, and, and, it, and we, we have sight, or the sound comes in, we have sound. I mean, the sound is just the vibration in the air, right? There's the old philosophical question, right? If a tree falls in the forest and nobody is there, does it produce a sound? And of course, it does make a vibration. But sound is something that you experience. That's how it's displayed to us. The brain gives it its sound. Smell, same way. It's, a, you know, it's, it's just right? and But it's a way of displaying the data, all the different sensory experiences, how the, how, how the, how, how the data is, is, is expressed. The same thing, you have bats that do echolocation. Because uh, nobody knows what they experience, but likely it's something like sight because they so carefully can fly around with sound. And so, there's, so people have questioned a lot, and then they've, they've considered the question, there's a, there's a whole, the, the matrix thing is, is like a, is a modern day type of, uh, it's called brain in a vat. They even, it's even, they even, in philosophy, they abbreviate it to B-I-V, brain in vat, which is, which, which says, what, what would happen, right, if, if somebody, somebody hasn't, you know, surgically removed your brain, and it's keeping it alive somehow. And the, er the early ones just had it kind of floating in the bat, so I guess maybe you, you had visions or dreams. Like even people in solitary confinement, they start to have hallucinations, you know, so if you had complete sensory deprivation, if your brain was disconnected, you might create a whole reality for yourself. How would you know? Because right? there's no way to, per to perceive that way. And then the more sophisticated ones is that you give it input. Right, you give the brain input. And so the, the matrix, the idea with the matrix is that you had an interface between the brain and a computer. And so the, the brain was, was still in the body. But you could, they could you know, put a little probe into the brain. And, uh, and, and, and the brain, instead of communicating with the body, back to the two-way communication, receiving you know, sensory information from all the senses and from the body, was receiving it from the computer in a form that the brain could understand, and all the actions that the brain was, was sending forth towards the body, movement of the body, all the different kinds of things was being sent towards the computer and not to the body. It would come out. Right, and, there, and in the movies, you know, some people were plugged in before they, right from the time of birth, so that's the only world that they knew. And there was no way to know any different, because their, their body was not active in that way. They were they're having a full-scale experience just with uh, and thinking about that because there's that, that, that distance between the two. And, uh, and uh, in, the, in, our, in our teaching in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, it's different, but the a same other thing obtains, that we don't know who we really are. And we're experiencing a world and a reality 
that's in some ways very superficial. So this is what happening. If, pe if people were you know, hooked up to Matrix, they sometimes had no other experience besides that virtual world. And so they had no idea who they really were. No. And so, so people have had, that, you know, have had those kind of doubts all along. Can, can we really try what we see? You know, could it be something else? You know, could it be a dream? Could it be a connection like that? And what the, what the Bhagavad Gita tells us is that it's not virtual in those senses, but it's that we have a certain, we're wearing a certain equipment. Like, you know, some people, they do their, you know, virtual reality headsets and stuff. That's connected to a computer. But there's, there's a, what, what, what Krishna says is that, uh, he says that we are uh, of a spiritual nature. He, sa he says that he, as souls that we are from, he calls it the higher energy. And then he says that there are uh, eight separated potencies. All right? He and he says, you know, earth, there are solids, water, liquids, air. Those are of a lower type. He says they're bina prakriti, separated from me. And then he says that the, that the souls are superior energy. Very, very detailed in the Bhagavad Gita that those souls, those little fragments of superior energy, are one of his first analysis he gives. Is he, he says that, that the wise people have seen that there are some things which are temporary. Asat, the, the, the focus uh, is for us is to look at what is eternal. Okay? And so it's understood that we are souls and we are, have equipment. We're wearing a suit of multi-layers over the real us. And there's a power which is it's called avaranatma shakti, which gives us a complete amnesia, a brain in the vat, or even if you have a, if you have a, a, a matrix situation, I say if, some, if somebody is not put into the matrix from birth, but at some later date, okay, they're sensory and physical centralized through the computer, but their identity, their, their memories, their understandings, all those things are not virtualized. They, they keep those. If we could make that, we could plug, you know, you could plug me in. I could be into a whole different world. I could have even a different body. But I would still know who I am. I remember the, my life. I could remember, you know, who I, what I looked like before, before I was in this. I'd, ha I'd have my, my mind and my virtualized. So the people in the matrix, they can, they can remember these kind of things. The one that we have, this Avarnatma Kashakti, wipes all of that away. Any knowledge of, of our previous existence away. Because the soul has an integrated mind. It has an integrated power of understanding. It has an integrated... And so when the Avarnatma Kashakti comes, it wipes it out. Amnesia. And then they're confronted with this new reality. Okay? And so the suit that we're wearing is first, it's called, it's called ahankara, or the sense of self and the sense of doing. So we, ha we have a sense of who we are. 
And Krishna says that that kind of follows us in many ways, even from lifetime to lifetime. We have the understanding of the, of the souls transmigrate from one piece of equipment to the other. But that uh, the ahankara and other parts of it, uh, we have this life and it comes into the next life. So like when we're born, we have a certain identity. You know, I said, if you, if, you're, if, you're, if you do something that your mother doesn't like, she will probably tell you that you've been that way since the day you were born. And she'll be right, right? Because you had that, she saw those the initial tendencies, even you had certain tendencies. So it says that when, that, that our actions leave these imprints in our ahankara, karmic imprints, it's, it's called karmashayan in Sanskrit, that, that, that mark us, that, that give us certain thing, carry over from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. But they have nothing to do with our real identity. This is part. And then we, we have, we have it's, called, it's called buddhi, our power of comprehension and discrimination. And that's also, you know, this, this, this is part of our costume, part of our equipment that's given to us, it's external to our real self. And then there's manas in the mind. Right? And then the visible, physical apparatus. Circumstances is a key element because it's the soul that's conscious. So in, in, in biology, there's no good explanation for how matter produces something that sees matter. Sometimes they call it the hard problem of consciousness. That uh, even, even if we make of computers that can play chess and defeat the best chess players, they don't have self-awareness. They may still be able to beat you at chess, that's all right. They may be able to solve problems that you can't solve but they're not conscious. And nobody knows what consciousness is, how to measure it, how indirectly. And so this, this is from, from the Bhagavad Gita, this is the, that, that the higher energy, the superior energy has this in, innate function. So that's what's left. When we put on that suit, what's left of our real self and identity is just the ability to experience. The Avaranatmaka Shakti, the covering potency, wipes it. And we start with a. Used to, people used to think in, in the West, or Western philosophers said that, that, people, that when children are born, they're a blank slate, tabula rasa. And now, of course, we, like I said your mother can tell from the moment you came out of the womb, practically. But, uh, but actually, in, that, in this case, when we first get this equipment, it's like that. We're a blank slate. And all of who we really are is, is, is completely forgotten. And so we think, right, that, that this is me, the people in the matrix, this is me, and this is my life. And we don't give it a second thought. We're captured. This is, this is what the Bhagavad Gita tells us. That, we're, that anything that practically anything that we think we know about ourselves is on the level of uh, the suit we have. And see, see Krishna is so powerful. He doesn't have to make a computer to virtualize it. He can make, right? He can he, he can he can give us a suit, and he can give us a whole place to go wander about using the suit. You know? you know, because, because Krishna is he's all powerful. He's the source of all existence, and he can make anything he wants just with the power of it. And uh, the, I guess the, the, the thing that really feature 
of life in this situation because it was one, one of the, the, the main features of the soul. The soul says it's satchit ananda. So it, it, has, it has consciousness, right? And it has bliss or contentment. So Krishna, Krishna says in, in the Gita that this, Sashi says it's a part of him. He says, Mama Vangsho Jiva Loke. He says, it's a particle of me, the spiritual energy that, that, that is Krishna. It has full joy and happiness, it's fully content. So what, we, what, what happens when we are covered over by the makashakti and we forget who we are, we also lose contact with that. And it says in, it says in, the, uh, in the Srimad Bhagavatam that when we put on the suit, various possibilities. It says that we think it's going to be, the words of the user, palavan, or producing fruit, palavan, something that will be fruitful. And exciting and interesting. We have a, we have a real uh, intrinsic optimism, which we carry with us, because we have sufficient experience already. Right? Intrinsic happiness that's there as part of our being, our real being, is we are we find ourselves looking for satisfaction, looking for contentment, looking for happiness. If I say pursuit of happiness, it makes complete sense to you. When actually, from, from the soul perspective, something you have intrinsically. It actually is a nonsensical, from a soul perspective, nonsensical statement. But we all understand it very, very well. Because we do not feel intrinsically content. We have to do something. We have to experience something that. And Krishna tells us in the Gita that this is always a fruitless enterprise. In fact, he calls it unhappiness. Because whatever it is, whatever sensations, whatever experiences, because there can, there can be you know, physical sensations that we, we can find happiness from. We can have you know, mental happiness. Right? You can remember something that was happy or you can just have a good thought. Somebody says, hey, you're really looking good today. Right? No, you feel happy. You know? And you have the opposite, you know. Boy, you look like, you know, <laughs> like you're really out of it. You know, and, you, know you feel bad. So there, there's, you know, the, there's the mental thing. Sometimes you can, you, can come, you can finally figure something out. Wow, I really figured this out. And you feel happy, you know. You know? Or there's, there's also the happiness of the, of the self-esteem, which is huge, right? Somebody tell, tells you that, you know, you're a really nice person and oh, you feel good about it, right? So these are the kinds of things um, that we're seeking, that, that we, that, that, that uh, compare actually by nature already ours. And what happens every time is those, as Krishna says, those experiences and sensations and events, Feels good, the little vibration. You know, somebody praises you. Or you have a wonderful thought, or there's something you know, something pleasant that happens to you. Ah, and then even the emptiness seems greater in the absence of what was giving you fulfillment. Sometimes, and it's even more urgent. So Krishna tells us this is a futile activity. He says this is the causes of misery. He says these things are causes of misery. He doesn't even say they're happiness. He says causes of misery because they have a beginning. It's never going to work. It's never worked. And we have enough experience of that. 
I mean, even, even people that aren't very old. How many times have you experienced happiness in your life? Aside and put it in the bank and have it there for you? By now we'd be happy. But it doesn't. It just goes down the black hole. So we are, we should be clear by now that the pursuit of happiness is a I guess partially through optimism and partially through desperation we, can t we think we, there's no other possibility. So we think that somehow the next time it'll work or I'll finally get enough different things working that it'll, it'll, it'll remain. You know, like through, through brain chemistry, right, that, that when, you have a, when you have pleasant experiences, right, the dopamine level goes up in your brain, right? Oh, great. And like with people who have substance abuse problems, like it just skyrockets. You know? But then that becomes the new normal. That's the problem. Biologically, we, 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 we perceive differences. That's the perceived differences. So like in, in the, like now, you know, it's so cold. So when the first day, next day, it becomes 50 degrees, we're like ready to go to the beach. Okay, right? Because it's a contrast. Now, in the fall, the first day it, hits, it goes down to 50 degrees, we're ready for the winter coat. Right? So it's, it's the contrast that we're feeling. That's how it works. And so when the dopamine goes up to the, the new level, right, that becomes your, okay, okay. And then it's harder and harder to, to, to beat that, to go higher than that. To, you know, people who are, have substance addictions, they end up taking the substance just to feel normal. That's, and that's what happens to us. So, out of optimism and desperation, because we don't think we know anything else, we keep doing that same thing. So, Krishna tells us that what we really should do is realize that the matrix has us. <laughs> okay? That we're experiencing an artificial life. Cut off and intrinsically blissful. And, uh, and there's a, a couple of ways that that's done. One of them is not so practical these days. But Krishna mentions it somewhat in the sixth chapter of the Gita. Is that if we, if we realize that we're, we're pursuing something that's few, have this desire. Krishna mentions in the third chapter, right, that, that desire is the all-devouring enemy. Right, that, that, that uh, emptiness is actually happy within. So he says that's the thing that's killing us and keeping us locked in. Because when this happens, it'll be good. When this happens, it'll be good. When this happens, we're going to be good. So he says the one, so that means that we're really attentive. Right? The first thing Krishna says to Arjuna, the first instruction is you're going to experience pleasant things and sometimes unpleasant things. He says, power into that. You can't worry about that so much. That shouldn't be, because that's the meaning of our existence usually. Success in life means to have as much happiness and to have as much fearful. And we're really trying to work with that. We're spending a lot of our time and energy and focus on that. So that keeps us locked into the... All attention is given there. So the, the, the process of Ashtanga Yoga is given. We're slowly... That attention... Or there's also Karma Yoga in, in, in the Gita. That's given where, the, where you... You know, eventually it says in, in the Ashtanga Yoga, 
you're, you're able to become more peaceful and you withdraw your attention to the physical things you don't pay attention even to your mind fully withdraw everything now try that it's not easy right <laughs> this is why it's difficult I, mean, I had this i had this feeling when I, I remember when i was young i had this feeling that if i could do that i hadn't heard of yoga but if i could do that somehow you know just really stop paying paying attention to something something really cool would happen but you know no chance i could do it but you know but so you but you pull your attention away around you all the sensations and then and then you focus inward and then suddenly oh i'm finding krishna in the form of the super soul so we usually are not able of 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 using that methodology so krishna has given us one that's uh, uh, more effective and and practical and that's to do things that our real self ordinarily would do. Nisha would do. And so, uh, according to according to you know to Krishna, here we're experiencing emptiness and lack. By nature, is full, joyful, and peaceful. But the real existence of the soul is to be overflowing with joy and love. So we see we have on the altar, you know, there's Krishna and Radharani in the middle. And Krishna is known as the all-attractive. And so he's unbelievably, inconceivably charming and beautiful. Beyond, I mean, he's the source of all, any, anything that's been beautiful and charming of all that must be. So he says that souls who come into contact with Krishna, they, would go, they can go from being simply fully satisfied and joyful and kind of a, a generalized loving to having their minds completely blown. I don't know, there, there's, there's something, so I can give you an analogy there. Like sometimes if you see a little baby or even a little puppy, that creature be happy. So you'll you, you know you'll do you'll pet them or you'll tease them a little bit. You'll try to you know make talk, talk stupid baby language to them you know and, and try to get them to smile. Just because they're just somehow it just comes out of you because they're so sweet little creatures. So you want to see them happy. So it's by nature. When I was living in Detroit, we had this one one young toddler. Who his parents would take him to the corner drugstore sometimes, and the local people, you know, they 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 were so charmed by him. They would just spontaneously buy him candy. You know, they just they just see him. That's that's what they would do. They, just, they couldn't resist, you know, and then they'd be so happy when he'd smile. Never, never saw him before. Never see him again. And so when when the souls connect with Krishna, a joyful wanting to do something for Krishna. So it says the soul overflows into love, desire, desire to. to you know, it's, it's just by Krishna's existence, everything is fulfilled for you. And so that's what we do in bhakti with Krishna. So if I, you know, we were chanting before. We have you know, we have the Hare Krishna mantra, which is you know puts us into connection with Krishna.
We taste food that's offered to Krishna. Right? We hear about Krishna and the, the, the vibrations of Krishna you know, that, that describe him, carry Krishna with him, that are pleasing to Krishna. And when we do that, the soul that's covered over and kind of, you know, just hypnotized by all the experience we've had in the, uh, the world that we're existing with the equipment on, uh, begins to wake up. And generally it says we experience something that, that the, it says in the Gita is pramdrishtva. Prabhupada translates as a higher taste. Kind of literally means to experience something higher. To experience something that you haven't experienced, happiness that you haven't experienced before. The soul is starting to stir a little bit instead of just being stuck. Right? Have you see, you've seen it, right? When, you know, people are just either, you've been there, you know, like maybe you watch a movie in a theater and be so absorbed in it that you hardly remember where you are when, when the lights come on. It takes you a few minutes to kind of, oh, here I am. Or I had a friend when I was in college who, and this is before, this is long, so long ago, that was before you had, you know, widescreen TVs, it was the small cathode ray tubes. And even if there was one across the room, if we had someone across where that Madunga was, and we were over here, if somebody turned that TV on, you could feel it was almost like a, like a, a vacuum or a magnetic force. You would start to tremble a little bit, tight, and then, and then, and then, blank. Right? Or somebody you know, on a video game, just blank. So that's what we are. We're just blank dealing with the, with the whole thing. And we need somebody to you know, tap on the shoulder. Say, hey, you're here. You think you're over there, but you're here. You're on this side. The TV is over there. You're alive. Right? And so when we, when we, do, when we do make a connection with Krishna, the soul starts to stir. And that's the, that's the power of bhakti. Trying to unplug from our particular type of matrix. So the matrix has us. There's something better available to us. Far, far better. We've tried this long enough. It hasn't worked up until now. It's not going to work in the future. Trust us, you know, trust your experience, trust your intuition. And there's something way, way, way. Make that connection with Krishna, whatever connection you have, try to deepen it. And see if something doesn't happen to you. And when it happens to you, try to deepen it. Right? So the matrix has you, let's unplug if we can. Why he makes us forget about our past lives well, I never really understood why it would be a benefit for the soul to not remember what we've gone through previously well I mean from lifetime to lifetime not from the not, not from, from the, the spirit yeah, yeah. from the spiritual perspective my yeah. understanding is that we well what we need to be able to do those we need to be able to take our lifetime seriously see there's a, there's a reason why Krishna gives us the option to do what we're doing and it's a, it's a little bit intricate, it's genuine connections. And so in order for there to be a genuine connection, Krishna is in a, in a, a unique situation, one of his powers, the sat potency. So everything that exists, in one sense, is Krishna. 
Like if you, if you, if you had like a gigantic vacuum cleaner that sucked up everything that exists except for Krishna, even if you disrobed him, took his white, his yellow dhoti and his flute and his, and you blinked your eyes, everything could be back again. Again, he's unlimited that way. But if you could remove Krishna, everything resists on Krishna, everything else would disappear. So Krishna has a, a very interesting problem. Right? In one very important sense, he's alone. He's all that exists. And he's so much greater than any other of the created beings. all, he has to give the being some level of independence and freedom. Right? Because if, if he's just, here I am, I'm God, I'm the all-powerful, you do what I tell you to do. He could do that. And we, we'd have to do it. He could make us do it. He could just program us that way. But what does that give him? Right? He knows he's all-powerful. He doesn't need us to, 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 you know, when people do that, when people do that, you know, I'm the boss, you do what I say, they're trying to help their ego feel better, prove that he wants a real connection, a real relationship. So, so same thing, if you, if you have people who are rich and famous, sometimes they feel very alone because people riches their power. There's not, not a real connection. So he wants real connection. So the first of all, he has to be able to give people and so this is this is our choice if we if we kind of if we want to just do our own thing. He gives us he gives us the work, the, the equipment to do it with. And so and and so he needs to he needs to allow as much as we desire to. And so if if we realize right away, remember all of our past some people remember their past life. They, hey, this is this is a scam, this isn't gonna work out. But bef but we'll do that before we're ready. See, so now we, we now we can feel it's a life, we got so many things we can do, we get a chance to work out our issues. Right? So that's, that's what he, need, he needs first and foremost. He needs us to make a conscious I'm interested in you. So I think that, that's, that's meant to, to not have us burn out on this world prematurely. Just want to make one comment on that mm. question for Gorvani. I also heard Shoa Prabhupada explain that the reason we are forgetful is that if so that's another example. I mean, yeah. if you thought that yeah. mad or crazy, like if you were thought you were Lord Indra at some point in, in your existence, the fact that you had all this and now you're here, you, it'd make you go crazy. I mean, to have something for a rich man to lose everything is actually the worst punishment. So either way, it, kill, it kills your buzz in some way or other, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's a buzz kill. Yeah. yeah, one way or the other, so yeah. You said that I've seen some of the movies Matrix. They're interesting. Maybe I'm not that spiritual, but what does Matrix? What would say? What is Matrix? What does that mean, really? It was what it was. Just it was, it was a virtual reality. A virtual reality. Yeah, that's what it was in, in that case. Oh Maya. I mean, yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It was. Oh, it was. It was. A, in the movies, they made certain kind of compromises to make it more interesting to watch. But that's really what was happening. So, you, so it, it's just your brain was connected to a computer, so you have a whole experience that was being generated by the computer. Rather, it's almost like that's being brought to existence today with the whole metaverse and what that's expected to be like. And then, um, furthermore, like um, our cell phones and the algorithms in them. Um, even though we may not have the TV, through our phones, we're still given like the news. Um, to what we want to purchase and even affect how we think. So, yeah, I thought that was worth mentioning, especially the metaverse. No, it's true. I mean, the, 
the, the, the power of, of distraction is, is, is greater and greater all the time. And now, yeah, now you don't, now you don't have to, it's causing us to, to pull into kind of a, even a virtual world in our virtual world. Yeah, so there, I can't remember which poet it was, a uh, famous poet, but... Uh, Distraction, distracted by, by distra from, distracted from distraction by distraction or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So there's like distraction that we're dealing with, you know. And so yeah, it's making it worse. You know, because you can you can get all kind of, you know, little satisfaction from the next thing that's going to come up on the phone, the next video. So these are the material distractions, right? So what about the spiritual distraction that we sometimes have? Like when we chant, we are, you know, sometimes we, you know, uh, focus on something like instead of the mantra itself, trying to listen as pure, we may start thinking of lilas of Krishna, and then all of a sudden we try to create our own stuff, and we think, oh, I will do this as a service for Krishna. And also like when we are, you know, doing kirtan, or when we're lecture, listening lecture, the mind goes out, and, or, other activities that we want, like when we're doing in one service, we are thinking of other service. So how are those distractions, how do we get control over those? I mean, those at least are, are kind of nice distractions, but, but yeah, if we, if we, uh, if we, uh, I mean, the, the, the real focus, right, in, in, in bhakti is that we have, we have some gratitude for Krishna. We feel unique that's going to provide me with something. And so it's a, a real, a real simplified thing is, 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 is that, you know, the, the essence of bhakti is that, that Krishna is there. Krishna is interested in us. And for us, if we could just give something in return for that. All right, so let me do something for you. That helps us, I think, with those things. Any way we can come in contact with Krishna is something worthwhile. But just that one essence, the essence of bhakti is wanting to do something. Krishna is wanting to do something for us. That's why he's reached out to us. You know, let us do something for him. If you're distracted about thinking about Krishna somehow, that's not so bad, huh? <laughs> not really so bad, you know. But, uh, but I said, with, with, I mean, with, you know, for me, um, if we're able to really hear the mantra and realize that, that the mantra is complete, it's Krishna. Uh, it's, it says abhatwa namanamanaho that the all right. Well, I guess there are some people really intrepid today to to come out here in the in the extreme cold and the threat of snow, which looks like which is now no longer a threat. Apparently, <laughs> it's a reality. And so. <laughs>